Hi there, everyone. This is Devin Wilkins once again welcoming you to Canadians in Old Time Radio. From our Made in Canada file, we have an episode from a series entitled Rum Runners. And unfortunately, it's the only episode I have, so please enjoy. It's called Champagne. The Rum Runners, a comedy series written by author Norman Creighton about the rum goings-on in Canada's maritime provinces during the bad or good old days of prohibition, depending on how you look at it. The hero or arch-villain of the series, again, depending on your viewpoint, is Inspector John McMulloch of the Revenue Department, whose vital task is to stamp out drinking, and the smugglers, who made a business and profit out of encouraging a wee dram at literally any cost. Now here is the case of the wedding champagne with Inspector McMulloch. listen to the swinging ads and the singing broad acts and caught the mounting excitement as launching day approaches, then you'll know what it's like here in the little town of Shelburne on Nova Scotia's south shore. Because this is a town with a long, proud tradition of shipbuilding, the ancestral home of Donald McKay, the man who built the Flying Cloud, the greatest clipper ship of them all. It was only natural then that back in those days of prohibition, when we needed a new fast revenue cutter to chase the rum runners, we went to the shipyards in Shelburne. And soon, there she was, resting on the stocks, as sleek as a porpoise, waiting for the hour when she would finally slip down the ways into Shelburne Harbor. I recall that launching day very well indeed. The men were getting ready to grease the ways. And then, almost at the last minute, we discovered we'd forgotten something. Doctor, I wonder if I could get... Yes, uh, your name, please. Uh, oh, uh, John McMullough. I'm an inspector with John the... McMullough. Yes, I'm an McMullough. inspector with the Department of National Revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, your age, please. Your age. Well, uh, well, that doesn't really matter, Doctor. I just want... Yes, to now, uh, what are the symptoms... Well, all I want is to ask if you can mm-hmm. give me a... Oh, uh, open your mouth. Well, all I want is a... Ah, ah, a little wider, please. Ah, ah that's it. Yes, ah, well, talk ah, you should be attended to. Now, ah, now uh, let me look in your ear. Well, ah, doctor, please, just let me explain. Ah, ah, wax needs to be syringed. Ah, can you hear me? 
I hear you perfectly. I wish you could hear me. I'm listening, my good man. Now, come, come now. What's wrong with you? I haven't all day to wait. I came in here to ask you if you would give me a prescription for a bottle of champagne. A bottle of champagne? We're launching a revenue cutter down at the shipyards. We can't do it until we have a bottle of champagne. And as both you and I know, there's only one legal way to secure liquor nowadays with a doctor's prescription at that drugstore. Yes, yes. So if you'd be so good as to make out a prescription for a bottle of champagne... Oh, no, no. So I'm afraid, I... sir, I'm afraid, sir, the Hippocratic Oath does not allow me to prescribe for ships. Now, just a minute. I'm a physician, sir, not a boat hook. Now, now look here, doctor. I've got to have a bottle of champagne. Ottawa is waiting for this boat to be launched and on the job. We need something fast enough to overtake the rum runners. Well, until you do overtake them, I don't know where you'll get a bottle of champagne. Not here in Shelburne. I can't even get a decent bottle myself. Uh... Uh, there's only one bottle that I know of in town, a patient of mine, and she wouldn't let you have it to launch the entire Canadian Navy. Who's that? Well, I've offered her a free tonsillectomy, a, a post-nasal irrigation. I I've even offered to pull out all her teeth. She won't budge. Won't let you have it, no. Yes, she's a very wealthy. Oh, no, no. A quite unimportant little person. You'd pass her on the street any day and not give her a second glance. She does dressmaking, hemming skirts, repairing buttonholes, you know, that sort of thing. Oh. Very refined, mind you, but quite undistinguished. You'd hardly notice her. But she has a bottle of champagne. Yes. 1912. One of the really fine vintage years. And her name... Uh, Miss Daisbrise, Miss Winnie Daisbrise. And where shall I find Miss Daisbrise? Oh, you'll find her, I expect, bending over her sewing machine, hemming someone's skirt, immersed in a drab little colorless existence. Tell her, tell her I'll give her a free appendectomy, complete with the very latest in suturing, the double button, and figure of eight stitch. If she'll just let me get my hands on that bottle of champagne. Then your answer is still... I'm afraid it's still no. No, Inspector, I, I couldn't let you have it. That bottle of champagne means too much to me. I bought it some years ago at a time when I thought... I thought I was going to be married. Oh, I see. Now, how am I going to hand-stitch this cup? Well, Miss Daisbrise, I, I don't suppose there's much use in offering you any money. Where this bottle has such tender associations for you. I know how people like to hold on to things like that. Now, the facing around this collar, let's see now. I do hope I haven't said anything to disturb you. No, no. I quite realize how 
very personal this matter is to you, Miss Days Brise. I don't wish to awaken memories of a broken romance, but it really is of the greatest urgency that we get that ship launched today. Ottawa's been in touch with me by telephone. I didn't say my romance was broken, Inspector McMullock. Oh? We are still going together. Oh, well... Only we just haven't got married. I see. After Carl got through his pharmacy course, I sort of helped him to get through. He didn't have much money. That's why I took to dressmaking. Well, after he graduated and took a job at the drugstore, we were going to get married, but... Somehow, I, I don't know, it, it's just been one thing after another, and we've kept putting it off. I think I'll just tag you an edge uh, here. You do a good deal of dressmaking? Oh, no, it's all I do all the time. Better I suppose facing. you make all your own clothes, what? huh? Make my own clothes? <laughs> a dressmaker never makes her own clothes. Why, she's like the cobbler's children. Their shoes are always in the worst shape than anybody's. Oh, but I think that dress you're wearing is very attractive. This thing? Oh, Inspector McMullen, midi blouses aren't in fashion. Nobody wears midi blouses anymore. No midi skirts. Except those who can't afford to buy new things and have to accept hand-me-downs from their relatives. Oh, I didn't mean no, to suggest that. I'm all right. I've given up trying to be stylish. I just like to read about them, you know, in, in the big American magazines like the Delineator and the Pictorial Review. They show pictures of all the latest models. Oh, yes, really, I absolutely adore looking at those American magazines. It's so terribly exciting what's happening today in clothes and, well, just about everything. It's all in such a ferment, isn't it? I was reading last week in this serial I'm reading in McClure's magazine. And the heroine, mind you, she smoked cigarettes. Cigarettes? I knew some women did, but they're writing about it nowadays, right out in print. Times are changing. Yes. Why don't you make some of those new clothes for yourself? Well, I, I should tell you this, but I did make an outfit for myself, but I've never had the nerve to wear it. Oh, well, Shelburne is very conservative, you know. An old royalist town with the old public wells and all the old traditions. Well, folks around here don't take kindly to things that are... Something to talk about for a change. <laughs> this outfit I was telling you about... Oh, I don't know what they'd say. I can see you there, Miss Daisbrise. On the launching platform. Surrounded by officials. Photographers snapping pictures. And you getting ready to swing that bottle of champagne. Oh, you, you mean you want me to, 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 to be up there? But oh, you... Oh, you want me? Of course. Oh, Mr. McMullock, I mean, Inspector, I... I, 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 I you, 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 you really want me to uh, officiate the ceremony? We would all be 
utterly charmed, Miss oh. Stacy. Oh. 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 What shall I wear? Well, oh. that wonderful new outfit you made for yourself. Oh, but I, I wouldn't dare. Oh, this is all so sudden. I, me, up there on the launching platform. Will there be many people there? The shipyard will be jammed. Oh, I, I love to show them that I have something to wear besides someone's old cast-offs. Will my picture be in the Toronto papers? Wouldn't be a bit surprised. Oh, Winnipeg papers? Could be. Boston? Possibly. And Olive out in Winnipeg and all those big old floppy hats she keeps sending me. And Aunt Em up in Toronto, this is her midi blouse. Aunt Natty up in Boston, her old high-button boots. Oh, I just like them to know that down here in Shelburne, we keep up with the times, too. Oh, and, and that beaded crepe the shin is all the rage. Oh, I can hardly wait to it. Oh, Inspector? Inspector? I'll do it. Good for you. <laughs> You'll remember to bring the champagne. Oh, please, I'll pick it up at the drugstore. Uh, Oh, you have it at the drugstore. Oh, Carl, my friend, you know, he, he's the clerk there. Well, he's been taking care of it for me. Oh. Well, you go to the drugstore mm -hmm. and pick up the champagne, and I'll meet you oh, there. Oh, dear. <laughs> this is so exciting. I feel almost as if I were a bride. <laughs> Strawberry or sarsaparilla? Uh, sarsaparilla, please. Sarsaparilla. Excuse me, please. I see someone waiting at the pharmacy counter. Just to help yourself to a straw. Yes. What is it, miss? Something I can... <laughs> Winnie. Hello, Carl. Winnie. Lovely day. Into you. you know, Carl, 
I'm starting to get my eyes open. Well, don't start getting other people's eyes open while you're about it. When you put on a crepe de chine afternoon frock in vermilion and silver with a beaded binding, the whole world just seems to come alive. I have a reputation to keep up. This is an ethical drugstore. I can't allow folks to get the idea that... That, that, that you're that, not that, the mousy little person you appear to be when you stand behind the uh, counter selling cough drops, huh? Now, wait a minute. If you'd had any gumption, Carl, we'd have been married years ago. You're just too downright scared. You don't have to make a scene. But other girls are wearing cross-stitch embroidery. Why shouldn't I? There's such a thing as going too far, you know. Carl, I would like that bottle of champagne. Oh, now, let's not get into an argument. My champagne, please. Well, I didn't mean to imply that... That... Well, I think your dress is quite striking, as far as the dress goes. Probably is. It doesn't go very far, does it? Yeah. <clears throat> Did you make it yourself? I have nothing against the dress, exactly. Right, okay. Oh, now, Winnie. If you hadn't gone and opened it. Very well. If you insist. You can bring it over to one of the ice cream tables. I, I think I'll sit down for a minute. Saint-Pierre, a little easier to get to. Oh, Saint-Pierre. Mm -hmm. And the quality of their product is very fine. Especially in the cask. We handle a good deal of it in bulk, you know. In casks? Oh, you mean liquor? Mm, their brandy is superb. Winnie, I wish you wouldn't do this. Now, please, come to your senses. I beg your pardon. I wrap the champagne in this paper bag. Set it down, please. Now, Winnie, remember. This is ours. Ah, bottle of champagne. Well. Winnie, Winnie, don't take it out of the bag. For goodness sake, someone might see. Uh, I think I'll have a package of cigarettes, if you don't mind. Cigarettes? You heard me. Cigarettes? A lady would like a package of cigarettes. You mean cubebs? I do not mean cubebs. I mean cigarettes. I'll get them for you, my dear. You. This pumpkin doesn't seem to understand. Listen, what's the big idea? Now, I wonder if I remember to bring my cigarette holder. But you don't smoke. Oh, yes, here it is. What are those things on your wrist? Slave bangles. Slave bangles? I'm wearing one of my ankles, too. Don't, don't draw attention to it. They're the last word in jewelry down in New York. Winnie, I don't understand you. I just don't understand you. It's been obvious for some time. Smoking? Here, in public? 
You wouldn't know how to smoke. Yeah, we are, my dear. Package of Turkish cigarettes with a picture of that harem girl on the cover. <laughs> left some change on the counter. You may leave us now. But, 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 but you, you, you can't. Yes, yes, coming, sir, coming. Hmm, I see you have one of those extra long cigarette holders. Very fashionable. <laughs> now, how does it fit on? Oh, here, allow me. I think these ovals will fit. Hmm, there. Thanks. Now for a light. of the gay cabarets down in San Pierre. Soft lights, fragrance of a cigarette. Uh, shall we open the champagne? Oh, oh what? No, I, I, I couldn't do that. I, anyway, it's not legal to drink. <laughs> Such disarming simplicity, not legal. <laughs> Would that really stop you from opening the bottle? Well, I... I, 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 I I don't think it would be quite the place to... Oh, come oh. now, my dear. You're obviously a woman of some sophistication. Oh. <laughs> I'll just uh, take it out of the bag and uh, loosen the wire. Just a minute, what? Charlie. Not so fast. You? Yes. Oh, great. And just in time. By the look of it. Always spoiling things. Yes. The law keeps catching up with you, doesn't it? What are you doing here? Making sure that you don't open that bottle of champagne. Oh. Now, give it to me. Inspector, he doesn't mean any harm. You see, now I'm innocent. The lady says so. This man happens to be a rum runner. Hand it over. Oh. Yeah. Miss Desbrise. I think it's time we went along to the shipyard. Oh, yes, the shipyard. Now, hold on, Inspector. I haven't even got round to ordering ice cream. And why should she want to go to the shipyards with you, I'd like to know? Charlie, I suggest you come along and find out. Uh, then we can both accompany Miss Day's Brise down to the docks. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> now, let me see. I have my cigarette, my champagne, and a man on either arm. Take my arm and I'll escort you 
I bought a marriage license on the way down. Oh. So we can still make you so Oh, we're really going to get married. This time I wouldn't dare let you get away. Not in that outfit you're wearing. Oh, I'm so happy. May we come to the wedding? Oh, but of course, yes. Charlie, what? In view of what you did to save this show, I think you should appreciate it. As one of the others. Oh, How about it, Mr. Oh, I love it. Well, this isn't exactly what I have to Honey, you can open the champagne. Well, oh. as long as it's not Dr. Witherspoon's nerve tonic, <laughs> I'll be series, The Rum Runners, written by Norman Creighton. Inspector McMulloch was played by Bill Fulton, Winnie by Faith Ward, Carl by David Brown, Charlie by J. Clyde Douglas, and The Doctor by Bruce Armstrong. The musical score was arranged and conducted by David Woods. The Rum Runners comedy series was directed by Peter Duncan and produced by Alan Yates of the CBC International Service in Montreal. From our Canadians Abroad file, we have Matinee Theatre featuring Victor Jory, who was born in Dawson City, Yukon. And this time, he stars in The Scarlet Pimpernel. Vic's Matinee Theatre, starring Victor Jory. The makers of Vicks VapoRub, Vicks Vatronol, Vicks Cough Drops, and Vicks Inhaler present the Matinee Theater, starring Victor Jory in The Scarlet Pimpernel. First, here's a good thing to remember when you catch a cold. 
the best-known home remedy for relieving miseries of colds is Vicks VapoRub. The Scarlet Pimpernel is one of the most dashing figures of legend. He was a man of a hundred disguises who lived in almost continual masquerade. He had one great aim in life, to rescue the persecuted in France from the guillotine of the French Revolution. In England, only the few members of his own band knew that that great fool, that fop, that overdressed wealthy dandy, Sir Percy Blakeney, was the fabulous Pimpernel. Our story starts in England on Sir Percy's wedding day, the day when he claimed the great French beauty, Marguerite Saint-Just, as his bride. Good luck and good fortune. Much happiness to you both. Good luck, good fortune, happiness. Oh, what lovely things to wish. Are you happy? Very, very happy. I started to think how drab my life would have remained had you not walked into the Comédie Française that night. I asked you to marry me that first night. I meant to. But I asked you so many times, I've quite forgotten. Oh, no, no, you asked me the second night. The first night you said, you are the greatest actress in the world and the most beautiful, and I love you. But you did not speak of marriage. But the second night and the third and every night there are. Oh, you must have known all along I would marry you. I was too much in love to hide it. Ah, you're so Beautiful, Marguerite. You know, my darling, you are quite a puzzle to me. Yes? How do you mean? Sometimes you seem to me like two different men. When we are in public, you act so, so differently than when we are alone. Well, most husbands do. Which way do you prefer me? As you are now. Oh, Percy, this estate of yours is so beautiful. It reminds me of some of the old places in France before the populace destroyed things. Careful. It was public knowledge that your sympathies were with that populace, Marguerite. No, no. My sympathies were with the revolutionary ideals, yes. I believe in liberty and equality and fraternity. But my sympathies are not with those who murder. Yes? Big pardon, Sir Percy, but Sir Andrew Fuchs is in the library. He regrets to disturb you, but he says it is of the utmost importance that he speak with you a moment. Very well, Bentley. Will you excuse me, my dear? Oh, Percy... Please, do not be long. I'll try not to be. Andrew, what you're saying is incredible. I know how you feel, but for your own sake, you must not dismiss it too lightly. What I have told you is true. Your wife was responsible for sending the Marquis de Saint-Cyr and all his family to the guillotine. There are a hundred people to testify the fact that she gave their names to the tribunal. I know you would not bring me the story if you were not positive as truth. And yet... I cannot believe my instincts would play me so false. And I will believe in her unless she tells me herself that this is true. There is something else. We have just received word that the Comtesse de Tournay and her two children have been sentenced to die on Thursday. Thursday. My old friends, Thursday. We must be ready to leave for Dover within the hour. But first I must have a word with my wife. All I want to know, Marguerite, is did you send the Marquis and his family to the guillotine? Yes, Percy, I did. But let me explain. There can be no explanation for such a deed. I'm afraid I shall have to leave you for a time. I have an errand that will take me away for a week or so, and so, good day, milady. Percy, where are you going? That, madam, is my secret. <laughs> 
Whoa! <laughs> Monsieur Bibo, have you caught the Pimpernel yet? No, but I will, old woman. I am the shrewdest gatekeeper in all Paris. If I had been on the north gate of Paris last week instead of this one, the Pimpernel would be in jail right now. <laughs> oh, would he now? That fool Gropier was at the north gate last Monday. When along comes a market cart laden with casks and driven by an old man with a boy beside him. Ropierre looked in a few of the casks and let the cart go through. Of course, of course. Pimpernel was the driver. Any fool should have known that. Not half an hour later, up comes the captain of the guard with a squad of some dozen soldiers with him. Has the cart gone through, he asks. Yes, says Ropierre, not half an hour ago. You let them escape, shouts the captain. You'll go to the guillotine for this. Hidden in that cart were the Duc de Chalis and all his family. And the driver was none other than that cursed Englishman, the Scarlet Pimpernel. <laughs> oh, what a fool. Fool. But you have not heard all of it. The captain rushes through the gate, followed by his dozen soldiers. <laughs> and of course it was too late. Oh, the fools. They should have examined the casks properly. No, old woman. Those aristocrats weren't in the cart. The driver was not the Scarlet Pimpernel. In fact, there was nothing wrong with the people in the cart. No, no. But the captain of the guard was the Pimpernel, and every one of his soldiers were the aristocrats we were looking for. <laughs> one thing I will tell you. The Scarlet Pimpernel will never pass through my gate. You're a smart man, Bebo. A smart, smart man. You're right, old woman. Say... What have you got there behind you in that covered cart? My grandson. He's sleeping back there. Take a look, if you like. He has the smallpox. The smallpox? Curse you, you old fool. You want to infect all of us? Take your cart and get it out of here. Get it out of here. All right, all right, citizen Bebo. May the devil take your soul. <laughs> I have seen a hundred cards, Captain. Oh, Citizen Chauvelin. My gate is greatly honored by your presence. Have you permitted the car to pass, driven by an old hag who said her son had the plague? Yes, a horrible old woman. Oh, you stupid fool, you idiot. That cart contained the Comtesse de Tournay and her two children, all of them traitors and condemned to death. And the driver, your so-called old woman, was the Scarlet Pimpernel himself. My dear, I am so glad you are home. I have been so worried. Such a show of enthusiasm, my dear, is quite uncalled for. I've only been gone a week or two. You have been gone almost three? Well, well, has it really been that long? Tell me about your trip. Was it pleasant? Was it difficult? Where did you go? My dear, I can't quite see that that's any of your business. I see. Is that the way it is going to be, Percy? Yes, my dear. That's exactly the way it's going to be. Now, you better go and get some finery on. We're attending a concert tonight and a ball afterwards. Both of them will be complete bores. Uh, but, of course, one must be seen at the right places. I think I almost hate you. And one of these days you'll have no doubt of it. Hurry, please. I do despise being late.
you'll excuse me if I leave you alone in the box for a moment, Marguerite. This concert is beastly dull. I'll be back before it's over and escort you to the ball. Yes, of course, Percy. not stay long, Percy. May I take your husband's chair a moment, Lady Marguerite? Chauvelin, what are you doing in England? Why have you left Paris? I am here as a representative of the new government, and I am also here to seek an enemy of France. I must speak quickly. Your husband may return. I want you to help me to find this Scarlet Pimpernel. The Pimpernel? But I know nothing of the Pimpernel. And if I did, I would not tell you. Lady Marguerite, I have in my possession a letter that definitely proves that your brother... Armand Saint-Just is a member of the Scarlet Pimpernel's band. He is in France now. One word from me, and he dies on the guillotine. I am willing to trade his life for the Pimpernel's. My brother is a member of the Pimpernel's band? Yes, yes. So I think you will do as I ask. I give you my word that as soon as I know the identity of the Scarlet Pimpernel, you shall have the incriminating letters. You see... We captured certain papers, and we learned from them that he's to leave for France tomorrow, that he's to be at the ball tonight, and also that Sir Andrew Foulkes is a member of his band. Last week, he rescued the Countess de Tournay and her two children, but they had to leave Count Tournay behind, and he has sworn to rescue him. That's why the Pimpernel is going to France tomorrow, so he must talk to Sir Andrew tonight. If you keep your wits about you and watch Sir Andrew closely, you may save your brother's life. Well, what do you say? My brother is very dear to me. You leave me no choice. Your mind is not in your dancing tonight, my dear. Perhaps you're bored. Percy, I feel a little faint. Would you get me some water? I will sit in the reception room a moment. Of course, my dear. Why, Sir Andrew, what are you doing alone in the reception room? Surely you do not lack for a partner. Uh, no, no, I, I, was, uh, I was just a little bit tired. Oh, how deceiving you are. You stole in here to read a love note. Mm-hmm. See, there it is on the floor. Uh, you dropped it as I came in. <laughs> I have it now. Now, what does this small scrap of paper say? I must ask you to return that piece of paper, Lady Marguerite. It was something I wished destroyed. Oh. Well, then, we will destroy it. Here, I will hold it to the flame for you. Oh. There. Do you feel better now, Sir Andrew? Oh, immeasurably. And so do I. So, perhaps you will invite me to dance. Oh, with pleasure. Part of the paper was destroyed, Chauvelin. But when I held it to the candle flame, I read the words, Start myself tomorrow. And also, if you wish to speak to me again, I shall be in the supper room at one o'clock precisely. And it was signed with the crest of the Scarlet Pimpernel. Mm -hmm. You've done well. It is almost one. I will go to the supper room at once. Percy, I have been looking everywhere for you. 
I am so weary. I would like to go home. I'm sorry, my dear. I fell asleep in the supper room. Asleep? In the supper room? Was anyone else there? No one but that Frenchman, uh, Chauvelin. He was asleep, too. I got so deucedly tired dancing, that was the only quiet place I could find. Well? Well, why are you staring at me like that? You're looking at me as though you'd never seen me before. In just a moment, we'll bring you Act Two of The Scarlet Pimpernel, starring Victor Jory from the stage of Vic's Matinee Theater. These days, when children catch cold, most mothers believe in quick action. And the modern way they use to relieve distress of children's colds is to rub on Vic's VapoRub. You see, the moment you rub on VapoRub, its famous relief-giving action starts right to work. It helps relieve congestion and irritation in the upper breathing passages, the coughing spasm, sore throat, and that muscular soreness or tightness. You see, VapoRub is so good because it penetrates. Penetrates into the cold-congested upper bronchial tubes with its special soothing medicinal vapors. And at the same time, it stimulates. Stimulates chest and back surfaces like a comforting warming poultice. And most important of all, this penetrating, stimulating action of VapoRub keeps on working for hours to bring welcome relief. So, Mother, do this without delay when your child comes down with a cold. Use the modern way most mothers use. Rub on VapoRub, for only VapoRub gives you this special penetrating, stimulating action. Remember, it's the best-known home remedy for relieving miseries of colds. Vicks VapoRub. And now the second act of The Scarlet Pimpernel, starring Victor Jory. As the curtain rises, Marguerite and Percy have just arrived home. As they walk through the gardens toward the house, Marguerite hesitates, then turns to her husband. Percy? Yes, my dear? Please, do not go in for a moment. There is something I... I would like to talk to you about. Yeah? What is it? It is... It is very hard to tell you. It is very hard to tell you anything, Percy. You are so far away from me. What did you wish to say to me, Marguerite? It is Armand, my brother. He is in great danger. Monsieur Chauvelin told me that he was a member of the Scarlet Pimpernel's band. And Chauvelin said that if I did not help him find the Pimpernel, Armand would be executed in France. Armand will be taken care of. So do not worry. Do not concern yourself any further. Do you think you can do something about it, Percy? I think I can. Oh, you are looking at me as though you despised... Perhaps I do. Then why did you marry me? Because I thought... I thought I was marrying a vastly different woman. I thought I was marrying a woman of spirit and courage and honor. And instead I found I'd married a woman who was responsible for the death of a family I had known and loved. You can hardly expect me to care much for you, my dear, after that. Percy, even up to the very morning Sancia went to prison... I tried desperately to save him. I would have told you the whole thing was a horrible, incredible accident if you would have listened. Many people have told me that you always despised the Marquis and made no secret of it. Yes, I despised him, but I would not kill him. Do you know what he did? He had Armand, my brother, thrashed by his lackeys. And do you know why? Because Armand was not of the aristocracy and had dared to love his daughter. Percy, he was not a good man. He plotted with Austria against his own country. When that knowledge came to me, I took it to headquarters. I thought it was my duty to France. I still think it was. 
But I did not know his enemies would use that as an excuse to assassinate him and his whole family. It's a very pretty story, but you can hardly expect me to believe it. No. No, I do not expect you to believe it. You have made up your mind to believe the worst of me, and you will. Well, I guess that doesn't matter very much anymore. You can only be hurt so much, Percy. After a while, pain stops having any meaning. It's a great pity, madame, that you don't know the identity of the Pimpernel. I can assure you you can sell the information far more dearly than the price that has been offered you. But, Percy, I do know the identity of the Scarlet Pimpernel. I learned it tonight. And I did not sell the information, even for my brother's life. And do you know why, my dear? Because I love you. No matter what you think of me. Good night, Percy. Good night, Marguerite. Lady Marguerite. Lady Marguerite. Yes, Betsy. What time is it? It's morning, milady. And a package just came for you. A package? From whom? It's from Monsieur Chauvelin. But... The messenger said to tell you that it was in payment for services rendered. That your information last night had at last unmasked the man he was seeking. Bentley, where is Lord Percy? Why, he's not here, madam. He left for France before dawn. Order me a carriage at once, Bentley. Tell the men to hurry, hurry. Yes, madam. And Bentley, you must tell me where to find him. Unless I reach him, Chauvelin will capture him the moment he sets foot in France. I don't know if I dare tell you, madam. I've had explicit orders not to. Bentley, you must believe me. I betrayed him without meaning to. If I can find him and tell him what happened, it may mean his life. But don't you see? He thinks he is still safe as Lord Percy. Very well, madam. There's an inn in Calais, the inn of the Red Feather. That is one of his headquarters. I'll take you there. Oh, I pray Chauvelin does not get there first. I pray he does not get there first. Well, Citizen Chauvelin, welcome to the Inn of the White Feather. Thank you, Citizen Brogard. Please bring me some dinner at once. I've heard much about your food here. At once, Citizen Chauvelin. Brogard, you're sure you found a hut? I saw the hut with my own eyes. I saw the Comte de Ternay and Armand saying, just go in. Yeah, they're now waiting for the Pimpernel. And are my orders carried out? The roads and the beach are patrolled? They have not a loophole for which even the most cunning of men could escape. And all our men have been notified to watch by men over 60 tall. He could only disguise his height by stooping. He should be here at nine, so be back with your men. I trust he will not recognize me in these priest's robes that I have borrowed. Degas, my friend, this is the end of this Scarlet Pimpernel. Good evening, citizen. Good evening. Good evening, Sir Percy. I'm starving to death, Brogar. Bring me some food quickly. Quickly. Leave me alone. <laughs> I've never seen our fat host move so fast before. Why? Odd. See? I vow I never thought of meeting you here. And uh, I didn't know that you were a priest, Monsieur Chauvelin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. Oh, boy, you're choking, aren't you? 
Here, let me clap you on the back. Oh, I'm sorry if I upset you while you're eating your soup. Oh, 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 here, let me clap you again. You're having a dreadful time with that soup. Very hot. Yes, I... You know, Chauvelin, I should have known you anywhere. Although the costume does change you a bit. You, you keep looking at your watch, sir. You must be in a hurry. Well, don't let me keep you. Well, <laughs> nine o'clock. Yes, yes, nine o'clock. <laughs> and you're consulting your watch again, aren't you? What's the matter? Don't you trust Brogar's clock? Oh, it must be a trip for the lady, Chauvelin. Nothing else could make a man watch the clock so closely. Uh-huh. Ah, well, what do you say to that, Monsieur Chauvelin? Huh? Oh, uh, pardon, monsieur. I- I'm afraid I was not listening. You were saying... Oh, uh... nothing very much. Here, have a, a pinch of snuff, monsieur Chauvelin. Why, well, thank you. Uh, there's nothing quite as satisfying as a good whiff mm-hmm. of snuff. <laughs> Only that, my friend, was not snuff. That was pepper. <laughs> Sorry to have to leave you now, but I have business elsewhere. <laughs> You see him? Did you get him? Who? Him Pimpernel, that tall man, you stupid of. The one who just went through the door. You saw nothing, citizen Chauvelin. The moon is not up yet, it is dark. Well, no matter. He'll probably make for the hut now, and so will we. Go at once and find a car. Tell your men we're leaving immediately. Oui. Oh, clumsy fool that I am to be deceived by a trick like that. Ah. Good evening, Monsieur Chauvelin. Well, this is a surprise. Lady Marguerite Blakeney. Yes. I'm glad you came. You may be very helpful, Lady Marguerite. Not to you, Monsieur Chauvelin. I have found the peddler's car, Citizen Chauvelin. And here is the peddler. Good, good. Can you take us to the hut of Père Blanchard? How much is there in it for? Well, ten gold pieces? Ten gold? Huh? I'm rich. Well, come at once. Come quickly. You will accompany us, madame? I will do no such thing. If you make it necessary for me to gag and carry you, I shall. We will go to Père Blanchard's hut at once. This hut is empty. Ah, where are you men? Where are the Tournay and Saint-Just? Sergeant! Sergeant Giroux! Degas, you sure Count de Tournay and Saint-Just were here this afternoon? Very sure. You want me, citizen? Sergeant Giroux, there were two men here. Where are they? They left about an hour ago, citizen. You let them go? Oh, but of course. Our orders were simply to watch and await further commands. We were told to stop no one but the tall Englishman. The men in here were two short men, two Frenchmen. They went down to the shore and got they into a boat. They went down to the shore and got into a boat, and you let them, you, you fool, well, you. You see, Monsieur Chauvelin, you can be outwitted even with your prize within your hands. The prisoners are gone, and the Pimpernel is gone. But you, Lady Blackney, are here. And perhaps the Pimpernel will venture into France again for you. With all my heart, I pray that he won't. His life is worth a hundred of mine. If you would excuse me, please. Look. Look what I found. A uh, piece of paper. Yes, you know it. Well, give it to me. Oh. Oh, this was written by the Pimpernel. My dear De Tournay, it says. I cannot meet you as planned. There will, however, be a boat waiting on the beach for you at nine o'clock tonight. When you reach the ship, tell the men to bring the boat back to the Chagrin for me. I shall try to be there at 10.30, but if I am delayed, tell them to wait. Use the Pimpernel. 
Well, well, Lady Marguerite, perhaps I'm not lost after all. Shall I call the men, Citizen Chevalier? Yes, yes, call the men at once. Sergeant, your men. At once, Citizen. Shall I drive you, sir? No, no, there will be no room in the car for anyone but ourselves and the soldiers. You and Lady Marguerite will stay here. Is it safe to leave them? Well, of course, of course they can't go far without the cart. And if they try, we shall have no difficulty picking them up. Au revoir, madame. Au revoir, peddler. Oh, Percy, Percy, what a wonderful peddler you made. If I had not been so frightened, I would have laughed myself into hysterics. You mean you you knew me all the time? Of course, I knew you the minute you entered the inn. You see, my darling, I am your wife. Well, then I may as well get the crook out of my back. Ah, there, it's good to stand up straight. Come on, there's a boat waiting for us on the shore, and when Chauvelin doesn't find me, he's liable to start looking back here for me. Come on. Say, while I think of it... What are you doing here, anyhow? You were in danger. I wanted to help you if I could. Yes? I don't even know how to begin to ask you to forgive me. We both made mistakes. Look, the sun is coming up. Is it not beautiful, Percy? Yes. It's a new day for all the world. And especially for us. Now I can tell you how much I loved you. Even when I wanted to hate you. And how much I will always... Love you. Oh, my darling. My darling. Come, we must start down the cliff, or Chauvelin will put an end to our day very quickly. Let us go then, Mr. Pimpernel. I'm afraid the Pimpernel has outlived his usefulness to France. Oh? There is no use trying to pretend I am sorry. I want you home and safe with me. Look, there's the boat. We're ready to shove off, Lord Blakeney. We're coming, sailor. I hope you mean it. And that there will be no more Pimpernel? There won't be, my dear. From now on, the Scarlet Pimpernel will no longer be the name of a man. It will be only the name of a small flower that blooms in the fields of England. A small flower, but one that will always be a symbol of courage and of victory. Because of you, my darling. (laughs) So speaks my wife. And so... We'll speak the world. In just a moment, a word from Mr. Joy. This is Victor Jory. Thank you for your many, many kind letters and suggestions. Now, here is something I especially want to find out. Many of my friends have asked me to present The Highwayman again. The Highwayman was, we are proud to say, one of our finest productions. Would you like to hear it again? Or just what plays or motion pictures would you like to hear? This is your theater, and we at all times want to comply with your requests. Suppose we let you decide about next week's play. Write me care of Vic's Matinee Theater, Columbia Broadcasting, 22, New York. Victor Jory is currently co-starring with Miriam Hopkins in The Perfect Marriage. Our play today was adapted by Gene Holloway from Baroness Oxy's novel, The Scarlet Pimpernel, and was directed by Richard Sandville. The role of Marguerite was played by Gertrude Warner. Music for our series is under the direction of Mark Warno. Be sure and listen again next week when Vic's Matinee Theater presents your request play starring Victor Jory. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
That's it for this week, folks. Next week, we'll be commemorating Remembrance Day and Veterans Day. Bye for now.